I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. friends and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. We have a short week this week. I hope everyone who had a holiday Monday had a great holiday. Scotty and I actually took a quick drive. It was a five hour long drive, but it was a quick trip. We weren't even there for 24 hours. So on Saturday, Scotty and I left and we went to this place called Waskasu. Apparently, my parents took me there when I was like one years old, but obviously I have no memories of this place. It is gorgeous and I'm kind of disappointed that I am 30 years old and just going there now, but I'm really grateful we did because now we know We want to spend more time out there. So we drove the five hours. We went to my cousin's wedding reception. It was amazing. They are an incredible couple. And it was just a beautiful reception to celebrate them and their love. And then we went to sleep and we woke up in the morning and came home. So it was a super quick trip, 10 hours in the car. But goodness me. It was beautiful, and whenever I spend a long period of time in a vehicle, it always takes me back to the days when I was really struggling with eating disorders and orthorexia, that's an eating disorder, and my fitness obsession and all those things that are related to eating disorders. And spending time in a vehicle was so challenging for me. So whenever I experience times like this now, it just makes me so incredibly grateful for recovery and just not being anxious to spend 10 hours in a vehicle. It's just so great. So I'm just cheering you all on, those of you who are going through eating disorder recovery or any type of recovery right now. It is a journey, but you don't need to do it alone and recovery is possible. So if you're needing that reminder today that recovery is possible, there's the reminder. And if you are feeling like you need support throughout your recovery journey, reach out to me. My personal email address is hello at megdoll.com just shoot me an email and we can talk more about how I can support you I currently have three spots open for the month of September so any clients who want to begin working with me this month I currently have three spots open for private coaching so just reach out let me know if you're needing my support through your recovery journey or whatever it is you are healing through. 
and I would love to support you. We will jump on a discovery call to make sure we are a perfect fit for each other and that I can support you in the way that you personally are needing support. And then we can begin working together if we check all those boxes. Moving on to today's episode with my friend, Allison Maris. She is incredible and just has the most beautiful smile. I was editing this podcast on the holiday Monday, actually. It was a gloomy day here in Saskatchewan and... I just love working on rainy days. It was raining and I I love being in my office while it rains and I was just working on stuff behind the scenes for my business all day and then I was like, I'm going to edit the podcast because I usually edit the podcast on Tuesdays, but I did it on a Monday. So go me, <laughs> go me for being productive on a rainy Monday holiday day. Anyways, Allison is joining us on the show this week and we talk about her being able to recognize her disordered eating popping up throughout healing restrictive diets and that's the thing. So many women are on these healing quote unquote like healing restrictive diets but because of them they start developing disordered eating and so Allison has her own approach to moving through that and overcoming that and also supporting her clients with gut healing. So I love Allison's approach. I know we don't talk about healing diets and food specifically on this show too much. I always want to be careful about whenever we do talk about eating a certain way or, you know, these healing types of diets, but Allison and her approach to food and healing and health and mindset is so incredible. And I just love the girl and I know you will too. We have a beautiful conversation today and Allison is also publishing a gut healing cookbook. So if you're a lover of food like I am, I have the link for you in the show notes of today's episode. And if you love supporting women-owned businesses and small business owners, cookbook creators, I definitely recommend clicking that link and pre-ordering Allison's Gut Healing Cookbook. It's going to be amazing. Her and I talk a little bit about her favorite recipes in the book at the end of this episode. So don't listen to this show hungry or else while we are talking about food, just go grab a snack because everything sounds so good. All right, friends, let's hop over to my conversation with Allison. And don't forget, if you're listening to this show, we would really appreciate it if you just took a screenshot and posted it over on Instagram and tagged us. You can find me at I am Meg Dahl and Allison at Food by Mars 
both of us are linked up in the show notes. And if you tag us over on Instagram, we'll be able to see you are listening and go chat with you over on Instagram, which is always fun. So enjoy the show this week and I will be back with a brand new episode next week on Wednesday. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to finally have you on. Same here, lady. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I had to like pause us and actually hit record because I honestly feel like you and I could just chat for the entire day without stopping. (laughs) But I was like, we have a show to record. So... (laughs) Totally. We'll try to recreate some of that. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Okay. So before we jumped over to our conversation, I did give you like a small little intro, but if you want to just like say hi and introduce yourself to everyone who might be meeting you for the first time today, I'd love for you to do that. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Well, it's just a pleasure to be here and speaking with your amazing audience. And so my name is Allison Maris. I have a food blog called foodbymars.com. And I'm also publishing a cookbook called the Paleo Gut Healing Cookbook. And we'll get into more, but I really have just been able to find and really try to help my audience and my clients with a balance and finding the joy of food. Because I think when we go down the rabbit hole of healing diets, it's still a diet. It's still, we can still get into these pitfalls with diet mentality um, and restriction and all this other stuff. Um, And so finding that balance of making it joyful, making it stress-free and still promoting healing and nourishment in our body is just so important to me because I personally walk the walk. I have Hashimoto's autoimmune disease, PCOS. I've been through it all, AIP, paleo, all the the things. Um, And I've been able to come out on the other side with a lot of great insight, I think. So that's absolutely yes. And I just want to say, you know, this isn't a like food focused podcast. Everyone knows that we really don't talk a lot about food or, you know, specific diets or ways of eating on the show. But I've been following you for years. I love what you have to say in your approach. And like you said, you do walk the walk. I follow you over on Instagram and I don't follow so many people like posting recipes and things like that, but your approach, your non-restrictive approach. And I love how you do really see that when we approach something like paleo, for an example, it can become really restrictive. So I'd love for you to share with everyone kind of your journey with autoimmune disease. And then you eventually found paleo, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so I, I guess it started when I was on the birth control pill. I was told, Ah. (laughs) I was told, yeah, I know whose story doesn't have that. Um, I was told that was the only thing I could do to fix my terrible periods that I had lived with forever. Um, and so I was 18, I was going on college. I was like, well, yeah, I can't stay in bed two, two to three days a month when I'm in college, I have to do something. So got on the birth control pill. I was on it for a decade because I loved having a pain-free period. Like that was amazing. Um, when I got off, my body went insane. Like my hair was falling out in clumps, my skin, I had like uh, dermatitis, like I was itchy everywhere, uh, just 
so much stuff happened. My GI was a mess, my digestion, which in, in actuality was probably always a mess. I just thought it was normal to have a mess of a, <laughs> of a digestive system. Um, and so, you know, long story short, I just felt like my body was going insane. I was a newlywed. So I was like, oh my God, like my husband must think like, what must he think? Like he married one person and overnight, I feel like I'm a different person. And it was so frustrating. It was so isolating. I didn't know what was going on. And so I was just going to normal doctors, to endocrinologists. I was trying to figure out and they just kept saying, I'm sorry, honey, everything looks good. I don't know what to tell you. Like, and so that just kind of made me feel even worse. Cause I'm like, am I going crazy? Like I can see that all my hair is falling out. I could see that my body is changing. I don't feel right. My, I was feeling a little depressed, which is not like me. I just so many things. I just, it was like night and day. So finally I was like, okay, I need to get my own answers. I started going back to school for nutrition and health coaching and all the things. And I was like, oh, I need to go to like a functional doctor or a naturopath or something like that. So I did finally got diagnosed properly with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. And it's, it's also meaning I have an underactive thyroid. So um, it leads to a lot of those symptoms that I, that I just mentioned and a severe gut issues, infections, all, all the stuff that comes with autoimmunity. And um, then I started really leaning in more and more to nutrition and food. And, you know, I'd initially gone gluten-free. I started my blog to kind of explore it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this fun. Cause that's kind of what I try to do. I try to have a positive spin on things and say, okay, I'm going to just find new recipes and, and put it out there. And it, you know, one thing led to another, I got to paleo cause that was what was generally recommended for my conditions. And it, it definitely saved me, you know, like I was mentioning to you, it, it, it saved me in so many ways because I got to return to whole foods. I was definitely eating the standard American diet, take out all the time. Like I was not doing myself any favors with the way I was eating and drinking and all this other stuff. And, um, finally, when I, when I adopted paleo more and more, I started seeing a lot of amazing results, which I was so grateful for. Um, but then it, it can kind of be a little bit like a, a pendulum swinging where, okay, but I miss going out to eat or I miss some having some wine and, and being able to be in mixed company with my friends who don't eat this way and don't understand this stuff. Um, and then like any diet, you can just start to feel really restricted and, and start to do all these mental gymnastics when you just want a meal. And it's like, well, wait, no, I can't have this. I can only have one fourth cup of that, you know, blah, 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 blah. You get down this rabbit hole, um, of what you can and can't have. And so that's when I really started leaning into other parts of my healing journey, like mindfulness and meditation, mindful eating, which is something I, I definitely want to talk to you guys about. And um, so much more healing trauma, healing my relationship with my body. Right. And, and that's how it kind of came full circle. So yeah, I hope that <laughs> that gives a good, good picture. Oh yeah. It gives us a lot to go off of, but yeah. something I just need to say, because it's just, I hear this all the time and I know you do too. And our listeners are probably like no strangers to this either, but yeah, I hear it all the time. You go into your doctor saying, I don't feel well, like this is wrong. This is wrong. You have like this whole list of things that you know are not right. And then they're looking at your labs or whatever tests they're running or just maybe 
you, right? In totally. in the session and telling you you're fine. And you said, and I think you did post this on Instagram, like a picture of your hair falling out. Yes. Like you have gorgeous hair now. And I know you mentioned you. like skin issues before. Mm-hmm. And I know our listeners can't see you, but your skin <laughs> is like flawless. You have Thank beautiful you. skin. But like, how can they ever say like nothing's wrong with you everything's fine when you have these clumps of hair falling out like clearly I think not everything is fine (laughs) exactly and I I think nobody knows your body better than you and I think we can get really good at questioning ourselves like well maybe is this wrong because we're hearing an authority tell us you know no there's nothing wrong with you but even me who I I grew up my mom always worked for doctors and she always just told me like listen to what the doctor says um I was, even my mom was like, no, 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 something is wrong. Like this isn't right. Like I remember she was like touching my hair and she was like crying because she was like, this isn't right. This isn't you. Um, And so we have to be our own advocates and we have to trust in what we're feeling and keep going and seek out alternative care if that's what it is or alternative practitioners Um, lean into that more mind body stuff too, because it is huge. The, The farther and farther I get learning about labs and the physicality of our health, the more I feel like I just wind right back at the mind body and the stress and the trauma because it just, it can't be ignored. It has to go hand in hand. Um, and they fuel each other. I feel like, right. Like to be in a good mindset with food, I gotta be in a good mindset period. So, and they kind of just feed off of each other. So, and then to, to also, talk about where I, where I've landed, where I am, I guess I forgot to do that, but, um, I got in remission. I put Hashimoto's in remission, which was amazing. And I was struggling for so long thinking, is this ever going to be possible for me? And I will say like after, yeah, okay. I, I started feeling really good about my food. I started loosening up some of the restrictions and finding a little bit more of a balance for me. And then doing that deeper mind body work, just like open the door, you know, it was just like the key that I needed to really open that door. I got pregnant, which is generally usually a little difficult for people with Hashimoto's and PCOS, which I didn't think was going to be possible. Like everything just started opening up for me. So Uh, yeah. I got chills. Okay. Thank you. So much to talk about. One thing that I do think is going to be really fun to talk to you about because I can relate to this and I know this is something that you're really passionate about, but like, okay, so bringing it back to when you were first diagnosed with hypothyroidism, you found gluten-free, you found paleo. And when we come across these certain like healing type of diets or ways of eating, initially they can feel like really expansive, right? It's like, wow, Mm -hmm. I feel so ill right now. And there's this way of eating or this, there's this thing that I can start doing to actually take care of myself in a better way. And we start to feel like good about this, right? Like excited, like you started a blog and creating all these recipes, right? Mm -hmm. But then it gets to this point, like you said, where it does start to really impact our mental health in a negative way. And that's really where a lot of women start to, even men, start to cross over that line into like 
orthorexia and other types of eating disorders because something that feels good initially becomes like really too strict and restrictive. So I'd love to hear like more about that part of your journey. Like were there times in your life well, you kind of mentioned, you know, you wanted to go to eat with friends and then all of a sudden all of these like things started popping up for you mentally and it's likely because you did follow a paleo way of eating for a long time, which I did too. I remember I had mm-hmm. friends telling me, like, and they just like say this in passing, and it was true, but it was kind of like a wake-up call for me too. They I've had several friends in the past. They had told me that, oh, well, Meg, like you eat like whole 30 all year round right like it's (laughs) not 360 right yeah like it's just all the time like you always eat that way and when they said that to me I was like wow you know I didn't realize I was eating that way years ago but it was like a pretty big like eye-opener for me that a change needed to be made so when in your life or throughout your healing journey did you see like wow Maybe I am being too strict or rigid or restrictive with this way of eating. Yeah, I can vividly remember it wasn't really paleo. It was low FODMAP that got me. Oh, my God. It is rough because even even if it's not that everything is on the no list, the measurements of everything, I think is probably what's most triggering to people because who's going to sit there like, wait, I can have one eighth of an avocado or like, like it can just be such a mind F. (laughs) Um, So that is what got me. I was like, wait, I miss cauliflower. I was at, do you know what Hugh Kitchen, you know, Hugh Kitchen chocolates, right? Like that brand. Well, they started out as like a restaurant in New York city and I was at Hugh Kitchen because that was basically the only place I could really eat with most of my friends. So anytime a friend wanted to get dinner, I'm like, cool, Hugh Kitchen, like that's where I eat. Okay, that's where we're going. <laughs> um, and I remember sitting there and I wanted like a bowl of, I don't know, it was like steak over cauliflower rice or whatever. And I couldn't have cauliflower because I was on the, I had SIBO and I was on low FODMAP. And I remember crying. I was, I just like broke down. I was like, oh my God, I'm upset that I can't even have cauliflower. Like, who am I? I'm not even talking about ice cream or like something fun. (laughs) I'm talking about cauliflower of all things. So that's when it hit me that this was a problem. This was getting to be like very stressful. And how could it be healing if I was still feeling like bloated and miserable and all the things and I couldn't even eat any, you know, like there was just no reconciliation there. So that was probably when I hit it. Definitely. I had friends like you that were like making fun of me or like, oh, you can, you know, only eat here, but you know, it's such a paradox. Cause I think it depends on us. It depends on our season of life and what we feel comfortable with boundary wise. Um, because I had a lot of friends who were just upset that like, I couldn't drink anymore. I, I, it, it would affect me too much. Like I was sick immediately with one glass of wine. Like I used to go to happy hours and hang with people. And then I went to like complete, no alcohol of any kind. So I was definitely getting flack for a lot of that, but I knew that I felt better, you know, eating a certain way. And I just felt like, you know, let's do something else then. Like, let's go get a mani-pedi. Let's, we don't have to do everything with 
food if we can't come to some kind of an agreement. But yeah, to, to answer your question, it was, it was the deeper inner circles of healing diets that really got me. <laughs> yeah. So that was the yeah. moment with the cauliflower yeah. and feeling yeah. like I can't eat this and just yeah. working so closely for so many years with women with eating disorders and like having one myself in the past, like that feeling of not being able to eat something is a huge sign that like, okay, we need to address this because like you said, it's cauliflower, right? And you're not actually allergic to the cauliflower. Exactly. It's not like a peanut allergy. Exactly. I'm not going to have an anaphylactic attack. It's just, it might bloat me a little as I'm sitting there already bloated. That's sometimes I'll, I'll be with my one-on-one clients who are like, well, but I'm already bloated. So I'm like, yes. So eat the vegetable. It's a vegetable. If you want it, like eat it, you know, like, what are we talking about here? So yeah, I, I, it's so good that you asked about that because that was the sticking point for me where I'm like, wait a minute. I love food. I'm a food blogger you know, uh, food, I I've been saying how food is nourishing me and saving me, me feel good. And now it's such a pendulum. It swings. There's this bell curve where it goes to this other side. And so you have to catch yourself in that moment. And I can tell you, like, maybe it's not going to be you crying in public at a restaurant, but you know, I've had clients where they're like, um, if I just walk around my kitchen, not knowing what to eat. And I'm like, what else could you be doing with your time? working, playing, being with a loved one, doing something you actually like, a hobby. Like, why are you spending so much energy worrying about food? You know, that is a problem. And this is why something that I always say, and this is a premise with the book too, it's not just what you eat, it's how you eat and why you eat that are so key. Not just, it's not woo-woo or or anything. It, It is also just science. Like you have to be in what's called a parasympathetic state nervous system to be able to digest your food. So if you're walking around your kitchen, like can't eat this, can't eat that, can I have this? What if I have this in a small amount? Worrying about where your next meal is coming from, you're automatically in the opposite state. You're in the fight or flight and that shuts down digestion. So Whatever you eat right now, kale, chicken, or, you know, an ice cream bar, like you're not going to digest it well. Um, So that's what I always try to get across to people. And to your point, when you are feeling so sick, it can be really exciting to hear like, oh, there's a diet that can help. I can control a diet. It's something you can control. So that's what's exciting about it. You can control about what you put in your body. So there is this empowerment at first. Um, but then if it swings, if it gets to a point where it's no longer empowering and it's restricting, that's where you need to check yourself and realize that maybe there's something else you can work on to heal. And, and it's not just limiting more and removing more. Cause that's, that's the thing that I'll see a lot of people get into. They don't want to do reintroductions. They don't want to open up their world to more foods or, or whatever it is. And that just backfires every time. Right. Right. And I would like to say, you know, not only like if it gets to that point, but like oftentimes it's just, it does get to that point. We're not meant to follow this very specific way of eating for Mm -hmm. like my example, you know, you're not supposed to be on a whole 30 for years on end without any breaks, for an example, like you need to find your own 
rhythm, like Personal, your own yeah. template. And I know this yes. is something that you talk about or you will be talking about in your book. Mm-hmm. Is that like, hey, here's a little like framework to kind of start with, but then we need to add in ways to be flexible with it and kind of figuring out what actually works for you personally. And I know like right now, okay, so years ago when you first found paleo and started to kind of change up your diet to help yourself heal, you were probably eliminating grains and now Mm -hmm. you eat white rice, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The goal is kind of like, okay, how can I get to this point where Mm -hmm. I can eat as many foods as I can, right? Like the goal exactly. isn't to like get down to the least Five amount things. of foods. Yeah. <laughs> the goal is to be like, how much can I tolerate? Right? Absolutely. And because that's you how know, we feel. Exactly. And you know that that is actually required. If anyone's familiar with Ter- Dr. Terry Walls with MS, she was able to heal because she uses a ton of different vegetables for all the different phytonutrients and minerals and, and vitamins and everything. Dr. Kazarian also talks about this a lot. And I, I quote both of them in my book because that is just so key to be able to mix in different things, rotate, have fun, eat seasonally. Oh, what's this new fruit? Oh, what's this vegetable? That's what I talk about when I mean the joy of eating. It's not, oh, but is this a FODMAP? Does this have sugar? Like it's a whole food. Like, let's eat it, you know, like, let's give it a try. Unless it, bo- if it bothers you, you'll know. And okay, you're probably not going to want it. But I, I completely agree. So yeah, I, I was mentioning to you that, like, first of all, my mom's Puerto Rican and Dominican. I grew up eating rice and beans. Those are two big no-nos in paleo. And so after a while, when I would visit or my grandmother would make me my favorite dishes, what am I going to do? Say no, I'll get smacked. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> That's not happening. So that's when I was starting to realize, like, I want to find like my Allison diet and honor my body and my family and my culture and and foods that I love. But I know now after using paleo as a template, what works better for me, you know, and I think that I've been able to use it in a way that's gotten me more in tune with my body. Like, oh, when I have this symptom, it's a food. Because before I was completely oblivious. I was like, I don't know. I just always have this rash here. Like literally like that. (laughs) I just thought, oh, I just live with this. Um, That was a gluten rash, by the way. So I know gluten does this certain thing to me. I don't want it. So it can be empowering. But then like to your point, like don't let it get to the point of where it's restrictive. Like put it down and go live life and, and find what works for you. And that's how you find your, your healthy balance. Yeah. So what would you say to those women who are following something like a paleo or low FODMAP or whatever type of like, quote unquote diet, right? They're following this protocol or this template and they are feeling really restrictive and they know it's time to kind of loosen those reins and start finding their like Allison or Meg or yeah. Ashley or Amanda, whatever <laughs> diet, right? Like they yeah. want to find their own way of eating. So how did you start that process and what would you say to those women? Yeah, I think if, if it's like a formal diet, like, like AIP, for example, um, which I do a lot of work with, there's a set way, like how you can reintroduce foods, for example. So 
I would say like, give that a look, know what you're getting yourself into and know that reintroduction should be a part of the healing. It's not, you eliminate and that's it. And you never reintroduce. Cause so many times people come to me like, but I botched reintroduction. I'm like, how do you botch reintroductions? It's a messy process. The gold standard of reintroductions is keeping a food journal. Like that's what you do. So there is no perfect clear cut way to do it. And I think we're always looking for this perfect tidy thing in a box. How do I do it? And I just always encourage people to understand that. Second, I would say get support. Get support. You know, if you're feeling like, hey, this is turning into disordered eating, get support. Do not feel like you need to weather that alone. Do not you know, feel like you did something wrong. No, like, unfortunately, that's a fairly common response is to have some kind of disordered eating or issues when you're getting too restricted. Um, so I would say get support and alternatively get support with reintroductions, get support from, you know, a nutritional therapy practitioner or a health coach or someone that can just help you through it. We don't have to take everything on ourselves, especially with healing. It's messy. It's a journey. So finding different practitioners. I know you're telling me about like Reiki practitioners, stuff like that. I'm all about it. Like whoever can help you in your season of life and in your stage of healing, get that help. Um, and then I think similar to what I did where I was just realizing like, I miss rice and beans. I miss a glass of rosé in the summer. I miss certain things like coffee. I was off coffee for so long. Certain things that I just love and gravitate towards. Um, that's where I would start to say, I want to find a way to have that in moderation where it's not compromising my health. My numbers are good. I feel good. I have energy to show up for my family and, and for my work and everything. Um, but I get to have it and, and that makes me happy. So you can also just kind of look at what those things are to you. Why do they mean something to you? Maybe it's from your family, your culture, from celebrations, and there's a positive memory and, you know, like have fun with that, have fun, like loosen up a little bit. This is, I was just talking to a one-on-one -on -one client and it's funny because we'll go around in circles sometimes talking about it. We're like, okay, okay. But so, but what safe snacks can I have? And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, we just had such a good revelation. And now you're right back to like, give me a food list of what I can and can have. And I instead was just like, can you say to yourself, because we know when we're in fight or flight, it's because we're not feeling safe. And that's ruining our digestion and it's putting us into an inflammatory state. So what I like to do is say, it's safe to try this. It's safe to trust my body. It's safe to see what this craving means. And that way I'm in a calmer state. I'm not beating myself up for drinking or eating the thing so that I can receive it better. I can eat it mindfully. I can digest it better. Um, and I can just relax and have fun with it, you know? Uh, I, so I think it's gotta be like a full multi-pronged approach probably, but showing yourself compassion all along the way. Yes. Big time. You know, I'm big on compassion. Oh yeah. I but I really love that reframe or that rewiring that you just shared with us, because I know so many of us who are struggling with our relationships with food, we have like this safe list, right? Like these are my safe foods, but I think that's really cool. What you just said, instead of having this safe food list, start rewiring that and use that safe word but say like it's safe to trust myself it's safe to try these new foods it's safe to try this new snack or this new meal 
I really love that. And something else that you shared was just getting curious about like the things that you miss too. Like you missed having some rice and beans or some wine. That's a really good like clue for our listeners. If they are feeling trapped in the way that they're eating, like it's too strict or rigid and they do have like those things in their life that they miss eating that would be a really great, you know, way for them to kind of venture out and start experimenting with certain things. I mean, just for personal example, I recently found like this grass fed whole milk at the grocery store. And yeah. it has literally been since high school, since I drank like milk, like a glass yeah. of milk. And I was just like, oh, for some reason, like that sounds so good to me right now. Mm -hmm. And I had eliminated dairy like years ago. And I mean, I brought it back several years ago. So I have been eating like cheeses and yogurts and stuff like that. But I think when we can see like, okay, I miss this food. And then you get excited about having it again, like you said, with the rice and beans and the wine, you can actually tolerate it because, you know, because of that mindset that you go into it with. And the idea behind an elimination diet or a healing diet is that you remove while healing. And the idea should be that you can challenge reintroductions and get things back. Even on the AIP reintroduction list, there's foods on there that aren't even paleo. Like, you know, so it's just funny that it goes up all these different stages because you still need these different nutrients. Like there's certain things in dairy that you can't get from other places. Like the calcium in dairy is very different, right? So I I can actually tell you, it's funny about dairy. So I didn't know, but when I was pregnant, I happened to be, where was I? Um, What is it? Expo East in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, that was for anyone who doesn't know. It's just like, a lot of food bloggers and nutritionists and, and uh, the like will go there to try new natural food products. Okay. So it's like a convention and I was there and whatever. And I was with friends and we were like, Oh, let's go, go get, get gluten-free pizza. There's a really good place. So we went, but it was like real cheese they had. And I was like, well, F it. Like, you know, I'm going to do some goat cheese. And I hadn't had cheese in a while. And for some reason I was just craving it. I didn't even care. I honestly didn't miss it that much. I had gotten over it. I was like, whatever, I don't care. Um, so for me to be craving it, it was just so interesting. And I kept craving it throughout my entire pregnancy. I had so much cheese and it's because when you are pregnant, you really need a lot of calcium. And that's what I realized. I was like, so you see by trusting the body and instead of overriding it to be like, no dairy bad, you know, that's not on my list. I was like, Hmm, all right, let's eat it. And I didn't have any issues. So I had done the healing with all the inflammation. I had, I had done the work that was needed for my body and my specific healing journey, which is so different for everybody. And I wanted to test it out and see, okay, if I have some, what happens? And that's the other thing I would say to anyone is like, what's the worst thing that happens when you have the food? Do you blow up? Like, what is the worst thing that happens? The worst thing happens, you go running to the bathroom and then you know, that's your answer. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And there's, again, just like bringing it back, if you don't have a true allergy to something, like there's nothing awful that is going to happen that you really have to worry about. Yeah, I introduced 
dairy back in when I started going through HA recovery, like at the very beginning, because I had studied traditional Chinese medicine for a few years and still do. But like something that I loved about dairy was knowing that it was like a building food. And for someone who doesn't have her period, like adding dairy back in was actually something that could be really beneficial. So I eat it in all forms all the time. And it's so good. One of the best like reintros ever. (laughs) I love that. And so you see, it's like, you don't get points. You don't win for eliminating more. I think you get the points for coming back to home, coming back to yourself and figuring out, okay, but now what works for me? Great. I learned a lot from trying these different templates. What works for me? And that's, that's such a beautiful share because I also just, I've followed your journey on Instagram and I love when you share about your period because especially like I told you guys in the beginning, I always had a very painful period. So I used to hate, I cursed my period. Like, why do I have to have it at all? Like, and it's people like you who make it special again. I have to say that like you make it special again and you point out how beautiful it is to have a cycle and where no matter how it looks and no matter what, you know, you're dealing with in terms of your cycle, but to embrace it and embrace the different stages and how you feel in the different stages. So I just have to commend you on that because I well, appreciate thanks, it. Girl. A lot. I mean, <laughs> when you're going through, like I hadn't had my period since I was 15 and then I got it back like in my late twenties. So it was kind of like I was going through puberty all over again. So it was really exciting, but it yeah. was just so funny. Um, so yeah, love talking about periods, but I do want to talk about your book. So can yeah. you tell us more about it? Absolutely. Um, so the book, The Paleo Gut Healing Cookbook. So it's it's really the what, the why, and the how to approach eating for gut healing. And of course, using paleo as the template. And you know, like I kind of mentioned, I love using it as a template to really get more in tune with your body, to be able to tell, like I said, oh, does this certain food give me a certain reaction? I wouldn't have known that had I not taken it out because maybe I thought that was just status quo. That's certainly been my journey. And I know a lot of people have felt that way if they've done a whole 30 or like, oh, no way. Like my clearing of my throat is gone because I removed gluten and dairy or right. Like crazy, amazing stories that, you know, that happen. Um, but then also having fun with it. I have 75 paleo friendly and AIP friendly, um, recipes and they're just foods that I love. So like I mentioned, I've, you know, I'm definitely eclectic. My husband's Greek, my mom is Puerto Rican, my dad's Irish, like, and then I live in New York city and I know you're in Canada. So I was like, we love food restaurants, love different, you know, types of food. So I brought all of that to the recipes because, I've definitely found ways around if you cannot eat dairy, if you cannot eat certain things to be able to enjoy your favorite foods still that you miss. Um, And I also have like 10 tips and strategies for gut healing beyond food. So the things that I mentioned, yes, because like I said, and I, I said this to my publisher, I was just like, I love food. I love photographing food. I love writing recipes. I'm here for it all day, but I cannot in good conscience, especially through 2020, this is when I was doing the book, I was supporting women in my one-on-one practice. We'd, we'd done stool tests. We had done killing protocols for overgrowth and all these other things. And they were following it to the letter and still having problems because they weren't managing their stress. They were not eating mindfully. They were starting to get scared about certain things, financial issues, just 
the whole world, right? Like has changed for everybody. So in good conscience, I knew I couldn't just do like one aspect of it. I had to be, cause I, I wanted in my heart to say more about gut healing. Um, so we talk about mindful eating we talk, and the science behind it too. And, and how it's so key for digestion um, and just other key things that you might not think are relevant to your gut healing, but they absolutely are when it comes to lifestyle and how we eat and why we eat. So that is in there. And then I also have a two week, uh, like meal plan. If someone's just getting started wanting to just see like, Hey, I have GI issues. I want to see if this could help me for a short term. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of goodies in there. And I, I can definitely say, even though writing a book is very stressful, (laughs) there's a lot of deadlines and you know, all the things eating the food the whole time that I was making was really helpful. it was just calming me down. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are maybe some of your favorite recipes from the book that we can look forward to? That's a great question. Okay. Let me think. I have a really delicious, first of all, I have like a huge soups chapter because it's like a lot of broths. Yes. So So if you love soup, yeah. And so I have like a really good butternut squash, pear and ginger soup in there. That's one of my favorites. Mm. Um, I have like an Italian wedding soup, which is on the cover that I really love. Um, I have really I good desserts. Yeah. Isn't that, it's like a favorite, always been a favorite. Uh, I have a peach cobbler that's really good on the dessert list. I make a tahini like Twix situation, which is really tasty for the chocolate lovers. <laughs> Um, and then I have some of my like most popular recipes in there too. Like the, uh, most of them are new, um, but some of them are my most popular ones. Um, and that would be like, if you like Greek food, I have a Greek baked ziti, no dairy, no gluten. And you wouldn't even know, like my husband eats it and he eats like everything. Um, so that's on there. We have like a moussaka as well. And then I have some of my moms, like I was calling up my mom and my grandmother the whole time asking them about stuff. So for anyone who knows Puerto Rican food, there's something called pastelon, um, or it could be Dominican too, depending. Um, but it's like plantains and ground meat and like mashed potato in it. And so I paleofied it and my mom even tested the recipe and vouched for it. So that was, that was a good Amazing. moment. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. When can we get our hands on this book? Yeah. So it releases the beginning of November. Um, and I also, it's available for pre-order right now. So depending on when this, uh, airs, but it's, if you catch me before November, there's pre-order and I have pre-order bonuses, like some fun, like recipes and meal plans and stuff if you want. Uh, so I'll share that link with you as well. Yes. Okay. Just to our listeners, all the links are in our show notes for this episode. So definitely head over there and pre-order Allison's book. It's going to be amazing. And in the meantime, while we're waiting for November, you can go (laughs) over to her website and try all of her free recipes on her blog. So where can people find you on your blog, sweetheart? Yeah, I'm at foodbymars.com. And on Instagram, you can come hang with me at foodbymars as well. Perfect. Okay, so all of that will be linked up as well. I do have a couple more questions to ask you before we go. And you mentioned this a couple times Mm -hmm. when you and I were just chatting before we hit record and during this conversation, but writing a book can be extremely stressful. And I know that's something that you talk about a lot in terms of like 
gut health, being in this relaxed state so we can actually digest our food. What were some of your favorite like self-care practices that really helped you kind of manage your stress while creating this book? Yeah, I love that. So I think a big part of it was practicing what I preach and really doing my best to eat mindfully. And the best way that I know how to do that, there's many different things you could do, but the most important things that I try to do, because it's not easy to to mindfully eat for most people, um, is to do three deep belly breaths before each meal and just get into that parasympathetic state. That breath is like a light switch, I feel like, with the nervous system. Um, So I do that and I really try to make sure to chew my food, just chew the heck out of my food before I swallow it. Um, And to just minimize distractions. I really don't like to, you know, scroll my phone while I'm eating or if I'm working at my laptop and on my lunch break or whatever, I try not to do it all together. So I really want to pay attention to what's in front of me and make it a moment, you know, make it a joyful few minutes for myself. It's not like it takes that long. So that was really key. Um, eating all the food I was cooking was definitely key and helpful. Um, and then, yeah, keeping up with my practices like meditation daily. I love tapping. So if it's an app or a tapping script that I have, I love tapping, tapping through anxiety or yeah, like worrying or, oh my God, I have so much work and I'm feeling overwhelmed. Like that just helps me so much. Um, and I think also just setting boundaries and asking for help was really key as best I could. Cause the challenge was it was COVID. It's not like I could hire an assistant. It was really in the, in the deep <laughs> COVID time, yeah. um, where you were not seeing anybody. Yeah. And so, and I have a two-year-old like, and at the time she was even younger. So, um, it was rough to be able to get a lot of physical help, but whether it was just support from my friends and family helping me test recipes or, you know, my sister was coming to help babysit as much as she could and she was constantly getting tested and coming and it was just so sweet. So, you know, I, I did my best with that because I think that's where I struggle. I told you I'm a generator, so I don't yes. <laughs> ask for help a lot. I'm just like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do everything. Yeah. Um, and then it's not cute when I burn out. So. No. Well, I'm glad that you had, you know, those self-care practices in place. And again, practicing what you preach. So I love hearing that. But okay, finally, you are on the Unbreakable You show. So what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Such a good question. I think it means tapping into what's really important to you and trying to stay focused on it. Something that I got really into over the past couple of years is stoicism. Do you know like much about that? There's, there was just a few books that came out. Stillness is the key by Ryan holiday and some of his other books that so resonated with me. And I feel like it got me more in touch with like, okay, what are my core values? What are things that are really important to me and how do I just show up and be just show up and be present every day? You know, I think that practicing that, that stillness being present being true to what's important to me is what gives us that resilience or that strength to be unbreakable. So, yeah. I love that girl. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. And I seriously cannot wait to get your cookbook. It's going to be, I'm going to send you one. I'm, I'm so excited. I hope you love it. And thank you (laughs) you so much for having me. 